You're about to listen to a message from Every Nation Church Midrand, the place where people come to be changed and discipled to transform society. Looking at um, kingdom dynamics in, in the first service and the second service. So I'd like to continue on that, on that theme a little bit. Um, the, reason, the reason why kingdom dynamics, I guess, excites me so much is if you, if you heard last week's messages, then you would know about... I guess one of, the, one of the, the passages that stood out was, was, was when Jesus was being transfigured on the mount. I think it was the second service. I can't remember. Um, and he was being transfigured on the, on the mount. And, and what happened was Pastor Eric was saying, look, that's kingdom. Because just before that, he was talking about kingdom. Then he's like, okay, you know what? Come with me. Let me show you a little bit what kingdom is. You know, let me take you up a little bit higher. Just a couple of you. Let me take you higher and let's talk about kingdom. So, <coughs> excuse me. And... I don't know about you, but those are the kind of things I want to experience. That's the kind of God that I believe we walk with. That's the kind of God we serve. That's the kind of, that's the kind of reality we brought into when we said, Jesus, come and live in my heart. Come and be Lord. Come and be exalted and come and take over. That's what I bought into. I bought into all of that. So when I think about kingdom, it's, it's powerful. It's glorious. It's kind of, as I said, Jesus and his sermon on, the, um, sermon on the Mount, being transfigured on the Mount. You see him moving around. You see him healing. You see him transforming lives. Not just healing people, but transforming lives. Amen? That's the kind of reality I want to experience. It's available. It's there for us. I believe the, the door has been opened, so it's, it's starting to unfold. And I'm trusting God that obviously after today will be... I guess we'll receive maybe another key or some more keys as to how we can even go further and how we can even go deeper. Because the kingdom, you know, we always say that God is, God is not the problem. You know, God is, God is perfect. So, you know, if you want to look for a problem, you can't, you can't sort of look there. You've got to look somewhere else. Amen? I mean, he's, he's perfect, so you can't be looking. So therefore, I guess as we look more inward and we look within our circumstances, our lives, our situations, and we say, okay, God, how can we press deeper? What do we need to adjust? What do, we need to, what do we need to tweak? What principles do we still need to understand? What principles do we need to apply? So this, this magnificence which jumps off the pages of the Bible can be a reality for us. Everything from Genesis to Revelation I can walk in and I can experience. Amen? And that's what we're trusting Him for this morning. So I titled this morning's message, <coughs> Practical Kingdom Lifestyle. Or I guess you can even call it Practical Kingdom Dynamics. So... Yeah, that's what, I'm, that's what I'm aiming at this morning. Now, if we're going to experience the kingdom, if we're going to walk in the kingdom, there's a, there's a way we need to live. There's a kind of lifestyle we need to have. There's a, there's a mindset we need to walk in in order for us to experience the kingdom in the way that we should. I guess there are a lot of principles we need to apply, and we'll, we'll learn more as we go through these coming weeks. But I want to share one, maybe one this morning. I believe if we apply it, we'll get one step closer or let me say one step deeper to tapping into and applying the kingdom. So <clears throat> as, as, I, as I go through, I hope this will unfold, but I guess in summary you could call it stepping out of yourself or going past yourself. Amen? And I, I mean, yeah, I guess that could mean a hundred things. So, and hopefully what you've got in your head already is, is where I'm going. But if it's not, it's fine. I guess we'll all get there together. Because I know what's, what's in my head and that's what I want to deliver. So, going, living outside of yourself, living past yourself. What am I comfortable with? What do I see? What do I experience? What are my situations saying? What's, what's going on around me? What is the declaration or the 
even you can say the testimony, maybe not in a good light, a negative light, of the circumstances, the situations, and the realities I'm facing. What is that testimony? And now how do I engage with that? How do I move past that? Because if I'm stuck in that, how am I any different from anyone else? Amen? How am I any different? So I guess it's going a little bit back to, you know, what I was sharing on Thursday morning, what we were talking about then. So it's sort of in the same line with that. But it's saying, okay, this is my circumstance. Now, in order for me to experience the fullness of the kingdom, I literally have to step past that. I've got to step, I have to go higher than that. Otherwise, if this remains my reality, well, then I guess the fullness of the kingdom cannot be what I'm going to walk in, what I'm going to experience. Amen? So it's saying going past where you are taking a step further, stretching past and saying, you know what, even if it's uncomfortable, I'm going to stretch past this. Even if it takes a little bit, you know, there's a, there's a passage in Hebrews, I, I can never remember where it is, but it says, you have not yet resisted to the shedding of blood. In other words, you know, how much effort have you put in for something that you really want? You know, to push or to take hold of something. You know, how much has it? It's just like, ah, you know what? You kind of tried for five minutes. It didn't work. And then you kind of backed off. Or did you really put in everything you could saying, God, I know this belongs to me. I'm going to take hold of it. Amen? Okay. So I think let's start. Excuse me. <coughs> let's start in, where can we start? Uh, Psalm chapter 3. Let's read from verse 1. Psalm chapter 3 from verse 1. Um, if you look at the heading of the psalm, so in my, in my Bible, then I guess this is, this is the commentator's commentary. So, I mean, it could be, well, I guess the next line is probably quite accurate, but the top one is, is his interpretation. But let's, let's go with it. I think, it's, I think it's quite helpful. So the top of my, of the very top of my psalm, it says in bold, the Lord helps his troubled people. So obviously talking about a, probably a challenging situation. And then if we read a bit on, we find out, it says, a psalm of David, when he fled from Absalom, his son. A psalm of David, when he fled from Absalom, his son. So he was going through quite a difficult time. I guess, you know, his, his very own son from his own household had now decided that, you know, he'd wa he wanted the throne and he'd probably do a better job than his father. Um, which is obviously not ideal. I mean, that's not, that's not exactly, you know, if that's your household, you know, that's not exactly what you, how you want things to happen. You're happy to hand it over, but if your own flesh and blood, your own son or daughter is going to come take it by force, I guess there's something which is not working as it should. But even worse than that, <coughs> he actually wanted to destroy him. If you read that passage, that section where it talks about Absalom, he, he, he finds advice, he listens to advice, and he actually wants to destroy him completely. Is not just take the kingdom, like his father must no longer exist. I mean, that's not an ideal situation to be in. Now, number one, if you are the parent in that situation, I guess it's not great. But further than that, though, if you're the person in that situation, let's say not a parent, just a person, and there's someone who's, who's got that kind of an attitude towards you, and by the way, he has the whole kingdom at his disposal, you know, to be able, in order to do that, number one, it's a problem. And number two, it's a very difficult situation. I mean, think about, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> think about the technology we have today. So if someone's chasing you, if someone's after you, whatever that might be, I guess we've all seen enough movies. So if that ever was to happen, your mind would certainly go towards a certain, you'd be, you'd, you'd, there'd be a whole lot of pictures and almost, you'd, there'd be a movie you'd be conjuring up as to how this thing would play out, isn't it? You know, how terribly it would play out, how you'd end up, you know, how things would go. 
um, and how awful it would be and, you know, the different stages and whatever. I mean, you've played it all in your head. So when you're in, in stress or in crisis, I guess that's what you do. Your emotions stir up and your head kind of links with your emotions and then everything you know, not in such a good way, gets channeled in that direction. So that's what happens. Um, <clears throat> now, obviously, the, 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 season, the, the time in history that we're living in is a little bit different to how it was two, three and a half thousand years ago when David was around. It's a little bit different to that. So what I, all I want you to say is you might imagine that a crisis would look like X now because of the technology and the stuff that we have. But now think about back then. So they didn't have all of what we've got now to be able to hide or do this or do whatever. They only had what was available. So, in other, so what I'm trying to say is as, as terrible as you might think your situation might be now if someone was doing that, it was just as bad if not worse back then. You couldn't get on a plane. You couldn't get in a car. You get me. Like you couldn't just disappear, you know, through the river over the border. You know, they, it, I mean, you, you, you read the Bible and you see when people tried to run away, I think it was, I think it was Ahab. Was it Elijah or Elisha? No, I think it was Elisha. No, Elijah. Anyway, it doesn't matter. But Ahab. So what he, what he did was, he said, his, the, the, the prophet was speaking, so someone from, from Ahab's house was speaking to the prophet and saying, look, there is no nation that my master hasn't sent people to, to go and get an oath from them saying, this guy is not here. He's, and not just, I mean, like, an, like, listen, if you break this, we're going to do some serious invading and we're going to clear you. So this guy better not be here. Now that, and if you read that context, excuse me, <clears throat> you'll see that, Ahab, because he wasn't, he wasn't walking with God as he should, the state of his kingdom and the strength of his kingdom wasn't nearly where it was a couple of generations before that. So what I'm trying to say is if he could do that in a, in a, in a limited state of his kingdom with limited resources, imagine someone who now has all the resources of David's kingdom at his disposal. Amen? All the land he conquered, all the fear around him, because, I mean, everyone, every nation around him was scared. They were like, listen, if this guy gets up tomorrow and decides to take, we are finished. So the, and, and his son stepped into that. His son was commanding probably one of the most, almost powerful or potentially powerful. It might not have been powerful in terms of land, but anyone knew, look, if they take on, the, if they take on this kingdom, we are finished. And his son stepped into being in charge of that. Now, his son is in charge of that, and he, he's decided he wants to extinguish someone. Now, you get, you get what I'm saying? This is a problem. This is, a, this is not a crisis. This is worse than, you know, someone who doesn't like you. You get what I'm saying? Nowadays, you know, they're chasing you for whatever reason, or maybe worst case, you know, they're coming after your family. Like, it's much worse than that. The chances of escape were probably without God's intervention, like we saw. It wasn't possible. He was finished. So what I'm trying to do, <coughs> excuse me, I'm trying to paint a picture for how stressful that situation must have been. Do you get that? That's what I want you to do. I want you to see how stressful, how difficult, how awful, how troubling, how almost um, we would have allowed David or we would, have, we would have not thought anything negative of him if he'd started to be stressed in that situation. 
You get what I'm saying? You know, if you cried some tears, if you said, God, you know what, why have you forsaken me? You know, whatever. You know, if you, you know, some powerful declaration, whatever. Some powerful declarations like, if he'd done that, I guess we wouldn't have thought, I, you know what, this guy was missing God. You know, this guy was backsliding. You know, this guy is stepped, you know, he's not in faith. You, you with me? You wouldn't, because I mean, of the magnitude of what was sitting just at his doorstep. I think he even made a statement, if I, if I remember. He said, there's, there's but one step between me and death. So, yeah, actually, wait, I think he said that earlier with, with Saul, but it doesn't matter. It's not the point. But he said that before, and I think this was even worse because he built his kingdom up to a glorious level, and now the full resources of that were channeled just to destroy this one person. Not his army, but just him. So all I'm trying to show is he was in crisis. Amen? A worse crisis than any of us could ever imagine, than any of us could fathom, and probably than any of us would go, would, could ever go into. I guess, you know, if America decided to target one of us, there's probably an idea of like where, no, literally, it, it was that bad. It was, it, it was on that sort of a scale. Decided, listen, you must, you know, you must fall. There's one person, the whole, you know, that's sort of where he found himself. But now, <clears throat> and this is what I'm trying to get across today. There's a way we need to live. There's a way we need to view things. There's a way we need to operate if we're going to take hold of this full thing called kingdom. If we're going to really, because if we live like everybody else, it's not possible for us to take off. The kingdom is glorious. It is a magnitude in the kingdom which is beyond what we can think. But for us to take hold of it, there's a way we have to live. There's a mindset we have to have. There's an attitude we have to have towards situations, toward, toward, toward what we face and what we go through. Now, have a look at this. So I guess <coughs> I painted a picture. So we now all know where David, where David is. Now, look at how he responds. So... A psalm of David, when he fled from Absalom, his son. Lord, how they have increased who troubled me, who troubled me. How they have increased who troubled me. So whatever challenges he had before, maybe some enemies, you know, it's just moved to, I'm not sure, the power of whatever, to the, to the, to the 10, to the 100, to the, I don't know, so those of you who do maths or science know what I'm talking, or you can remember high school, or know what I'm talking about. So to the power of, I'm not sure. Lord, how they have increased who trouble me. Many are they who rise up against me. So here's a problem. And I guess, you know, if he felt, just one more sub point, if he felt that his army was more powerful than what was coming against him, he wouldn't make a statement like this. You get me? Those who are for us are more, than, are more than those who are against us. You know, he wouldn't be moved. He wouldn't, he wouldn't be saying this. So, you know, he's in a, even ma mathematically, you know, he's in a very difficult situation. So, Lord, how they have increased to trouble me. Many are they who rise up against me. Many are they who say of me, there is no help for him in God. Where is his God now? Now we've got him. He's got no future. Now he's going to be extinguished. Now he's come to an end. And this is David. This is someone who was, obviously wrote a fair amount in the Bible. Someone we look up to. Someone we can draw a lot from. Someone who is very close to God. Someone who had a, a heart for God. And someone who God loved very much. Sure, he made some mistakes. But someone who God loved very much. And I think when, I, when we read this next scripture, I think we'll start to see why. And as we read through the book of Psalms, I believe... Um, you know, read through it, and you see more of how David approached life and approached situations and the principles he operated by. I believe we'll start to see why did God love him so much? Why was he so close to God? Why, even when he made a mistake, you know, afterwards did God say, you know what, it's okay. Yes, I've forgiven you. Let's move forward from here. 
Now, this is what blows my mind. This is the context, middle of crisis, verse 3. <clears throat> but you, O Lord, are a shield for me. Think about what you might say in that situation. Think about what I might say in that situation. Would you make a declaration like that? This is not, this is not Lord, I hope you are my shield. This is a declaration of faith. You get me? He's like, the whole world, the United Nations itself, has woken up and decided, you know, so-and-so must be extinguished. Yeah, 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 NATO and all of their, and everything they've got at their disposal is all pointed towards your house. So, you know, you have a problem. As I say, this, you know, our mind can cast lots of pictures in this technology age, but it was just as bad back then. But you, O oh Lord, are a shield for me. That's what blows my mind. It, it, it blows my mind. In the midst of that, he was able to shift his mind, focus his attention, and say, God, you are a shield for me. I'm not going to be moved by this. I will not focus on this. I will not, I will not let this draw me away. I won't let this, I won't let this affect me. I won't let this you know, stir up. Yes, stir up my emotions. I'm sure his emotions were probably jumping up and down. Because your emotions, you know, unfortunately your emotions always is, is something that always catches up later. You know, it's the first thing to respond either to, either to a joyful situation or to a negative situation. You're in crisis, your, your, emotions, your emotions flare up. So I'm sure his emotions were jumping up and down. So it's not to say that he was feeling completely at peace. He might have been. But what I'm trying to say is, what I'm trying to get across this morning is even in the midst of that, when your emotions are jumping and a thousand things are going through your head, you're saying, God, I'm going to make an effort, whatever it takes, even resisting to the point of, of blood, for lack of a better word, but this is what I'm going to do, and I'm going to focus on what I need to focus on. Amen? You get that? Can you see how that's different? That's kingdom living. That's how we pull down the kingdom. That's how we advance the kingdom. That's how we look different to those around us. That's how we live different. It's not the absence of storms. There could be a storm, but you're standing in the middle saying, my God is the strength of my life. I shall not be moved. Amen? Can you see why the scripture, it just excites me and blows my mind so much. He's literally sitting with, with every obstacle he could possibly have against him. And he's focused his mind. He's not allowing his mind to be drawn off to the left or to the right or to be drawn off into something negative which causes anxiety. He's saying, God, you are my shield. You are my shield. I declare that. I enforce that. And I will keep saying that until I see your deliverance. Because I know that's who you are. That's what your word tells me. That's what you've promised me. And that's what you've said to me. I will not be moved. And it's a case of, again, going back to some practical, even if you feel like you're being moved, it's you saying, I will not be moved. You know, it's you standing your ground, not, you know, supernaturally, you know, God coming in and, and, and making, and sometimes it does happen. You know, supernaturally, he'll come in and you'll be some extra strength. But sometimes you actually just need to take what you've got and say, I will not move. Amen? I will stand. Even though I feel that there's wind and waves and rain and, you know, the sea and whatever, it's all around me. I will not be moved. Those are the kind of people who bring down the kingdom. And I think as we, as we go along this journey of, of kingdom dynamics, I think we'll probably see why not that many people are bringing the kingdom down as they should. Amen? There's a kind of life you have to live. There's a kind of attitude you have to have. There's a kind of mindset. There's a kind of way you need to approach things. When you approach it like that's what brings down the kingdom. Because, yeah, I know it, I'll, I'll get there, but 
<clears throat> so this is what this is what we need to do. You're in a situation like that. God, you are my shield. So in other words, what you are, the, the fullness of what's in your head is, God, you are my shield. You are my shield. You are my shield. It cons- you, you allow that to consume your mind. You allow that to fill your thinking. You allow that to inspire the pictures. You know, because obviously, you know, emotions and circumstances, they, they, okay, I don't know if it's just me. I'm sure it's all of us. Isn't it they bring about pictures? You know, good situations, they're, they're pictures that come. And negative situations, ah, there are even more pictures. Am I right? There are lots of pictures about how I'll end up or what will happen and how awful it will be. Now, what I'm saying is then you're saying, no, no, no. You are a shield to me. You are my shield. You are my shield. Refusing to be drawn away into that. You are my shield. That's one of the reasons why God loved David so much. Because this is how he was. The, the, probably the biggest crisis he's ever faced and that the biggest obstacle, he's standing and saying, God, you are my shield. God, you are my shield, and I refuse to be moved. Nothing can harm me, even if logistically everything is against me. So that's what we need to do. Allow, this to con- allow something like this, like the word shield, to consume our minds, fill our minds. That's what we declare. That's what we speak. That's what we shift our mind to. That's what we focus on. When you approach a situation like that, that's how you bring down the kingdom. Amen? Okay, <clears throat> let's have a look from, let's go to Psalm chapter 5, verse 12. So, Psalm chapter 5, it's very similar principles, another interesting one. <clears throat> Excuse me. So, okay, you can read the introduction, it's not, it doesn't help us that much. Give ear to my words, O Lord, and then, here we go, look at verse 2. And this will give you a... What this helps to do is give context. Give heed to the voice of my cry, my King and my God, for to you I will pray. My voice you shall hear in the morning, O Lord. In the morning I will direct it to you, and I will look up. For you are not a God who takes pleasure in wickedness, etc., etc. But number two says, give heed to the voice of my cry, my King and my God. You don't cry if you're in a happy situation. You get me? If things are going well, you generally don't cry. Or you can have tears of joy. But I think we'd probably all agree that these are, what he, this context is not tears of joy. Like you'd really have to stretch the scripture very far to say, no, 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 he's joyful. You know, that's where, you get me. So it's a challenging, he's again in a challenging situation. And this is why David's in Christ. So he's in a challenging situation. He's like, God, give heed to the voice of my cry. Respond to me. Respond to the voice of my cry. And then, <clears throat> what does he say in verse 12? Let's have a look. So he's in the middle of a crisis. And this is, for you, O Lord, will bless the righteous. That's his, that's his response. That's his statement. In the middle of crisis, God, you will bless the righteous. I'm sure he it probably didn't look like there was any blessing close. Maybe there was people after him. Maybe he'd lost some things. Maybe there'd been something that had worked out circumstantially that put him in a difficult position. But he's saying, God, you will bless the righteous. You will bless the no, no, no. This is my. I not. I refuse to allow my situation to consume my mind. I refuse. You will bless the righteous. That is my standpoint. That is my attitude. That's why God. He was. He was. He was so close to the heart of God, because this is what he did. In in the midst of a crisis, he's saying, "For you, O Lord, will bless the righteous. With favor, you will surround him as with a shield." In the midst of Christ. And that's how we need to approach the situations around us. <clears throat> we need to say, look, this is what the word says in this situation. Constantly throughout and refuse to be moved. 
refuse to be changed, refuse to let whatever that is consume us, but saying, God, no, 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 what is our declaration in that situation? And it's not even you're doing it, you're not doing it for any other reason other than that's your truth. Isn't it? The Bible can't lie. Well, I hope not. Otherwise, we're all in trouble. <laughs> Otherwise, when we close our eyes one day, we're not going to be standing where we think we're going to be standing. I don't know where we'll be standing, but, you know, then it's then, yeah, I don't know, then... There's even, if, if, there's even, if there's even one part of the Bible, even one, one scripture which is not accurate, which is, which is not true, it cancels the entire thing. Because then God is not who God says he is. We have a big problem. <laughs> so, so either it's a case of saying all scripture is true, or well, maybe I can't put any faith in any of it. But it's an all or nothing situation. It's kind of like Jesus. You know, he doesn't, you know when, he, when he comes, he doesn't leave any room for anyone else. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. He doesn't leave any other option. He's not like, yeah, I'm, I'm a way to God. You know, they're, 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 it leaves it open to, okay, well, maybe there's some others. You know, if they, if they come close, you know, you can also get to God. No, no, no. He doesn't leave it open. There's no other option. And it's the same with Scripture. There's no option. It has to be true, and it has to be true all the time. Amen. So this is, this is, this is, what blows, this is why David blows my mind. In, the, in a situation of crisis, he's saying, for you, O Lord, will bless the righteous. You will bless. I am blessed. That's what he's saying. I'm in the middle of crisis. He's saying that I'm blessed. That's if we're going to live like that. That's how we're going to pull down the kingdom. Amen. Let's look at one more scripture. I think. Let's see Psalm chapter seven, verse ten. <coughs> yeah. Here's another interesting one. If you look at, it's the same principle. If you look from verse one, it says, "O Lord, my God, in you I put my trust." Save me from all those who persecute me and deliver me. Look at verse 2. It says, lest they tear me like a lion, rendering me in pieces. You know, he's not in, a, he's not in, a, he's not in an easy situation again. You get me? He's not, if he's worried about someone going to tear him to pieces, you know, it's not, that's not a comfortable situation. And then in verse 10, he makes, a, he makes a statement. My defense is of God, who saves the upright in heart. My, even in the midst of this, my defense is of God. I will not be moved. Amen. Let's look, at, let's look at one more quickly. Psalm 10, verse 16. Um, yeah, you, can read the, you can read the introduction. And then it just says, The Lord is king forever. The nations have perished out of his land. In other words, if you link that with some other, with some other scripture, I think it's Psalm chapter 2. Um, is it Psalm 2? Where it says he rebukes, he rebukes nations. Anyway, it doesn't matter. But that's also the point that's coming across. In other words, if God needs to rebuke nations for you in order that you can that you will end up where you're supposed to be or so that a scripture you're standing on is fulfilled he'll do that that's how incredible god is that's how big god is and that's how powerful us taking one principle one scriptural principle is god will rebuke nations on our behalf amen, amen? literally an entire nation can be stirred up against you and god will say mm -mm. look at this look where he's standing Look who he is. No, no, no. Why, why would you? You can't move him. Look what he's standing on. Look, look what stand he's taking. It's not possible. So you can do whatever you want, but you will fall. You will fail. And he'll do that on our behalf, even, even concerning nations. That's the God that we serve. That's kingdom. That's where we walk in. So <clears throat> I think let's just have a look at one more example. I want us to look at Abraham very quickly. Look at Abraham. Then maybe we'll come close to to closing. So, <coughs> there are two scriptures I want to link together. The one is Genesis chapter 22, verse 5, and the other one, um, 
Hebrews chapter 11, verse 17 to 19. <coughs> Very well-known scriptures. But let's look. So let's start with, I'm going to start with Genesis 22, verse 5. Okay, so Abraham's about to go sacrifice his son Isaac because God's told him to. Verse 4 reads, Then on the third day, Abraham lifted his eyes and saw the place afar off. Verse 5 says, And Abraham said to the young men, Stay here with the donkey. The lad and I will go yonder to worship, and we will and we will come back to you. God has told him to sacrifice Isaac. He's told him to kill him. And he said, No, no, no. First of all, he calls it worship. So you must, you must know, like, the level. <laughs> first of all, he calls it worship. I don't know if you saw that before, but he calls it worship. So in other words... He sees obeying any one of God's commands as worship. He's obeying a command of God. He's like, it's worship. So, first of all, he's, I mean, his future is about to go up in smoke. Everything is about to be cleared. And he's saying, no, 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 this is worship. So, yeah, anyway. Um, and then the second thing is, and me and the lad will come back to you. So, he's like, no, God's got to do something. God has to do something. That, that, can you see, in a, it's the same principle. In a situation like that, can you see his attitude? Can you see the attitude he has? He's like, no, no, no. This is what needs to happen. This is because I know who God is. I know you. I will not be moved on this thing. I will not allow this to consume my mind and fill my mind with certain thoughts and things stirring me in that direction. No, no, no. I believe God. And obviously most of what we get from God, unless he speaks to you specifically, you know, is out of his word. That's where we know who he is and what we can stand on. And then if you read in Hebrews 11, all that does is confirms it. He says... <clears throat> I think it says God was, um, God, Abraham was trusting that he would be raised from the dead. Where it says he received him back from the dead figuratively. Um, is it then? Have you got it? 17. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered Isaac, and he received the promises offered up his only begotten son. 18 and then 19. <clears throat> of whom it was said, In Isaac your seed shall be called. So, in other words, God said, your whole future and everything I promised you is going to come through Isaac. But I'd like you to now sacrifice Isaac. <laughs> you, get, you get what I'm saying? So that's why he was like, you know what? <laughs> Something's going to have to happen. I know what God said. I, know what he, I don't understand it. But God, I'm going to trust you. Your word is true. Even wind waves, I feel like I'm being knocked left, right, and upside down. I'm still going to trust in you. And verse 19. <clears throat> Concluding that God was a there we go. Concluding that God was able to raise him up, even from the dead, from which he also received him back in a figurative sense. Because I mean, he, he did every. He was like God. I, he gave him up, and the angel had to stop him because I mean, the knife was going to come down. So figuratively, he did receive him back because he actually he t whatever the chalk you know the white line was, he crossed over it, and he was he was about to sacrifice him. So that's why it says. Oh, wow. Where are we? Okay. Um, he was able, it's like, it suddenly got a lot more than when I was a minute ago. Able to raise him up, even from the dead, from which he also received him. <clears throat> so what's the summary of all of this? I think the summary very simply is, as I said, you've got to live past yourself. You have to live past yourself, out, almost past yourself, past what you're comfortable with. In other words, you're in a situation, good, bad, or otherwise, what does the word say? There is no way we can bring down the kingdom by living just with what we see, with what we hear, and what we, and in the natural. It, 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 forget about it. 
take that out of your mind, wipe it out, because it's not possible to bring down the king in the same way that Jesus and the early church and the apostles did. Even in the same way as we see in the Old Testament, the prophets of old did. Even the things David did. is not How Joshua took nations. If that guy, if he only concentrated on the natural, there is no, I'm telling you, there's no way he would have taken any nation. It's not possible. Because remember, he was now filling, I mean, if you, interestingly enough, if you read, I think, I think God says it about four or five times. The people say it, no, God says it about four times. Somebody says it, the people say it once, be strong and of good courage. Interesting, if you go and count, as far as I remember, it's seven times that that gets across to him. It's recorded in scripture that was said to him seven times. And the last one is by the people. Only, they say to him, you know, and I think, you know, just only be strong and of good courage. So God said it about four times, and the people finally said, and I think it comes from somewhere else. What does that mean? It means he needed to hear it. Isn't it? You don't tell someone, even saying, telling them once, be strong and of good courage. You know that they need it. If you have to tell the guy seven times, be strong and of good courage, what do you think was going on in the inside? You know? Probably a bit how, almost similar to how Gideon was feeling. You know? Maybe he didn't operate the same way as Gideon, but you know, on the inside is how, he, is, is how he was feeling. Be strong and of good courage. He had to go take nations by faith. The first one, just allow me to, yeah, just let's camp, not camp, two minutes here. So just cast your minds onto this. Moses, the greatest leader he has ever seen, who spent 40 days on the mountain without food and water. Okay? You can go for an I think it's up to, if you're going for a week without water, you're finished. I think, scientifically, after five days, I think your, your organs are going to start failing. That's no, he was 40 days in the mountain, no food and water. It says God used to talk to Moses face to face. So obviously his face used to shine because of the glory. And then he used to put this veil over, you know, so he didn't make everyone else feel insecure. You know, but what he, because, you know, the other guys couldn't, you know, he kind of goes in looking one color. He, come, he comes out and, you know, even at night you can kind of see him from the other side. Oh, there goes Moses, you know, walking around the camp. So, you know, he did that just for the benefit of, of everyone else. This is the guy who went, who handed him over and said, hi, can you take over for me? Can you imagine? He cleared the superpower of the time. Ten plagues. He cleared Pharaoh, who was, who was a god and who was the most, probably the most feared person, almost even globally at the time. Moses cleared him. It's thunder and lightning and, and, and smoke and fire on the mountains. What does Moses do? He walks up into it. Everyone else is saying, you know what? If you can just talk to God on our behalf, you know, we'll be, we'll be happy for you to talk to him. Our, and we can just remain here because, you know, this, this whole like fire, smoke, you know, mountain quaking thing, you know, is a little bit much for us. So, you know, we love you, but we're going to love you from here. Moses, go represent us. I think, you know what? Those people... Probably they're a bit wicked. Maybe they even thought, uh, you know, you get what I'm saying? Let Moses go. <laughs> then if Mo so we're not sure if he's going to come back. So let, 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 instead of us all going, you know, and all of us, let this Moses, I mean, he said that God is good. So, you know, let him go. And then we'll, if he comes back, okay, then we can, you know, we can retry this thing. But I'm not actually sure. There's too much fire. So let, let Moses go. If he doesn't come back, it doesn't affect me. Then, you know, we'll just go back to whatever, to Egypt or we select another leader, you know, then we make a, then we make a plan. So, but what I'm trying to say is think of Joshua. That's the context. Talk about fire and glory and majesty and signs and wonders. By the way, if you can just take over. So here we go. The baton's been passed to you, you know, the next, the much younger person. And this is who went before him. <clears throat> what happens in the, first, in the first nation he has to take? I, mean, I think God is hectic. God will, God will stretch you and God will, God will check where your faith is at. What do you do? 
You might, so now there's pressure because the people are expecting you to perform. The voice of God has come. Moses has laid hands on you. Joshua is taking over. So what does God say? No, you just march around the walls for seven days. <laughs> you know, there's no military strategy. Just march around the walls and something's going to happen. I didn't even think he told them what was going to happen. He just said march. You know, march, quiet, and on the seventh day. Can you imagine? That you've, been, you've been put in charge. You know, probably the biggest assignment you ever thought possible in your life. And God's like, no, no, if you can just walk around and don't even say anything. And you should shout on the seventh day. And that's all I'm telling you. I'm not even telling you that's going to fix the situation. I'm just telling you that you must do that. You get what I'm saying? And what happened? Because he did that, the walls of Jericho, which is probably if not the most fortified city around of the time. They say, I think it was three chariots or five chariots, I can't remember, next to each other can, you know, can, go, can go along the wall. You get what I'm saying? So a chariot is however wide a chariot is, and you've got three of them next to each other, you know, going, going on top of the wall. That's how thick it was. So they were inside. They were not worried. They were like, you know what? Nothing can get in here. They probably even thought not even God himself. But unfortunately, they hadn't come against that God before. So three chariots could go along the wall. That's how, that's how thick it was. And I think Rahab, you know, used to live in the wall as well. So, you know, that's, someone's house is in the wall. You, you must know. You know, you get what I'm saying? I, Rahab who lived in the wall. Like if her house was in the wall, you know, probably it wasn't, you know, what, you know, what we talk, you know, the kind of wall that keeps our house dry. It was a little bit bigger than that. And so what's God's solution? No, just walk around. Walk around and on the seventh day shout. That's his strategy. And now Joshua is in that position. Joshua brought, brought down the kingdom in that situation. The walls, figuratively, literally the walls came down, but figuratively, metaphorically, or spiritually, the kingdom came down. The kingdom started to advance. They got a significant foothold in that promised land which God had given them. <clears throat> but what did it take? It took, what has God said? What are my circumstances? I'm stretching past that. Amen? I'm stretching. So it's taking, it's taking the, part of it is taking the word and saying, okay, I'm actually going to live, what, what does this say? How do I live this out past of what I'm feeling, past where I am, past what's going on? Not even, even outside of challenges, but past that, because that's how we're going to bring down the kingdom. I really believe this is a significant principle. Excuse me, we're not going to bring down the kingdom until we can start living like this. It's not possible. Otherwise, as I said, many more people would be bringing down the kingdom. We'd see it a lot more than what we see it today. And we're still stretching towards it. You know, even as we are, we're stretching towards it. So imagine those who, I don't know, who are somewhere else. I don't know what they, yeah, anyway. Amen. You get what I'm saying? So that's how we have to live. We've got to say, we've got to past what you're comfortable with, past your comfort zone, past your circumstances, saying, God, stretching past that, that's how we're going to bring down the kingdom. Amen. So, <clears throat> yeah. Okay, let me, let me just mention this, then we'll close. So looking past the situations we are in, living past ourselves, living outside of ourselves. I mentioned that there was an example I mentioned on Thursday morning, and it's from the final quest. Uh, Rick Joyner wrote the final quest, and he was, and Rick Joyner was, was, was um, ref articulating or writing an experience he had. So most of the book is, what's, is, is going up this mountain, and the mountain is figurative of your, your growth and your progression in Christ, your, your, and, and your growth in God. So it gets to a point where I was saying that it was, it's very slippery. So he had, the, he had the word with him, and in the setting was in the word was obviously a sword. So what he did was, he didn't know, and it was getting slippery, so he couldn't walk by himself. 
So what he needed to do was he needed to take the sword, and he's like, oh, let me try this. And he started to, to um, drive it into the rock. And then he'd, he'd tie it around him, drive the sword into the rock so that he wouldn't slip off the mountain. Then he'd take a break, and you know, he'd carry on, and he'd go up the mountain like that. And I guess that's figurative of how we need to live. It's a, be anchored by this thing, no matter what's going on. You know, I, I, no, no matter the wind, the rain, the circumstances, the pain, the whatever. No, no, no. Being anchored on this thing and not being, and not being moved at all. If we live like that, that's how we're going to bring down the kingdom. I believe it's very significant and very important. That's how we're going to bring down the kingdom. Amen. Okay, let's pray. Father, we bless you. <coughs> we thank you. We magnify. We honor you. We lift you up. We give you glory. Father, we thank you. We thank you. We thank you. We thank you. Father, inspire us, Lord God, in line with your will. Stir us up, Lord God. Strengthen us. Fortify us. Increase us. Let your word come more alive to us. Let your voice become more of a reality to us, Lord God. Father God, fill us with boldness. Help us to step out. Step out into your word. Step out according to your word. Step out in line with your word. In the name of Jesus. Father, let this word, not only let it saturate us, but let it manifest out of us in the name of Jesus. Let this word manifest out of us. Father, let this word manifest out of us. Let this word break out of us. Let this word break out of us. My God and my King, let this word break out of us. Let this word break out of us. Let this word break out of us. Father God, let it be seen inside us. Let it be modeled through us. Let it manifest inside. Let it be seen inside us by those who are around us. Let your word come forth. Let your word break out. Let your word, Father God, be sealed up inside us, Lord God, in, in, a, in, in more ways than we ever imagined. Father, we will work this out. We will walk this out. We will apply this. Lord God, we will draw closer to you, my God. We will draw closer to you. We will bring down the kingdom. We will bring down the kingdom, Lord God. It will manifest in our time. It will manifest in our generation, Lord God. It will manifest through our lives in the name of Jesus. The kingdom will manifest. The kingdom will break out. Father, we will further your kingdom. We will further your kingdom. We will further your kingdom. As individuals, whichever context you've placed us in, every single context, any context, Lord God, we will further your kingdom. Father, we bless you. We magnify you. We honor you. We give you glory. We love you. We bless you. We give you praise. Father, we thank you. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. This ministry has come to you live from Every Nation Midrand. For other life-changing messages and more information, log on to www.everynationmidrand.org.